One, two, three, let's go. You're listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can find us on our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. What's up, everyone? It's your girl, Rala Rue, and today I have Ian Jake Robleza here. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? That's good. Thanks for asking. So, Ian, tell the listeners where you're from. I'm from Aurora, Illinois. Could you tell me more about that area? Yeah. Um. So, like, usually I would, maybe my intuition should have told me that. I'm from Chicago, but, like, Aurora is from the Midwest. Aurora, have you seen Wayne's World? Uh, I've heard of it, but... I don't know much about it. Oh, yeah. I think the only, like, awesome thing that people, like, oh, Aurora, that's where the movie Wayne's World, you know, like, took place. You know, like, Mm -hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, eh. Aurora is just, like, an an hour-ish away from Chicago. That's where I go to school. I like Aurora. It's nice. (laughs) And what do you like about the area? Well, this is where I've grown up for most of my life. It's, I think, the second biggest city in terms of, like, population. Aside from, like, here's Chicago with, like, 8 million plus people but then like Aurora's like 200,000 people so it's a small town but it's still kind of big there's a lot of cool things you can do here okay so most people when they have a stage name it's either something close to their name or their name is incorporated some type of way what made you just go by your government name yeah I was born in the uh, <laughs> I was born on the congress I was born in the cabinet you know congress uh, no I love the way you worded that that's amazing. <laughs> I chose my name, Ian Jack. This is actually not even like my full name. My full name is, uh, you know, I have four names, Ian Jake Guzan Rebleza. I went with Ian Jake Rebleza because that's like the name, I guess, like that kind of, it has like, uh, you know, three words in the whole phrase. I think it's three is a magic number. Mm-hmm. Most people call me Ian. Um, when I was growing up, it's, it's like a weird identity crisis because my family calls me Jake. I'm Filipino. So like my little brother, he'll call me Kuya. Jake, right? Yeah, it's like a respect thing in like the Philippines. Didn't mean ha- didn't mean to do that deep of a dive, but um, I, I okay. <laughs> Ian Jake Rebleza. I like going with like I guess my name as it is, mm-hmm. may- maybe a symbol for transparency. I guess, <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your creative process and what is your ideal writing environment? So my creative process. It's kind of like a mix between like writing the lyrics and then uh, thinking of the chord progression. I think the best of both worlds is when I can sit down in my ideal writing environment, like like right here, right now. This is my, my room, my bedroom. And the lyrics and the chord progression can kind of just like fold upon one another. You know, it's like a call and response, call and response until like I play a phrase and it's like I sing and play a phrase. And I'm like, I like that. I'm going to write that down. Do you have any inspirations from other artists that you look up to? I have a ton of inspirations. When you listen to my music, you wouldn't think, oh, he listens to this, he listens to this, he listens to this. I've One of my favorite bands is like 21 Pilots because like I adore their lyricism. But when it comes to more like acoustic stuff, I really like the sound of, there's this musical called Once with songs from Glenn Hansard and Marquette Ir Grova. And I just really like that whole nature of like, it's more solemn, you know, the lyrics are conversational, but also it's relatable, I think. And that's what I really admired about them. Recently, I've been listening to some of my friends from school. 
You know what I mean? Because I like, I wanted to collaborate with them more. So I've been listening to um, my good friend, George. His artist name is Blackwell, which is like, he does some rap, but he doesn't want to be confined to like a specific genre. Oh, that's just one example. A little musical theater. Just like, oh, it's like a, like a lot. It's like a, if I got like a pie chart, I wish I made a pie chart for this, but it's like, you know, it's just a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different percentages. Yeah. So what genre would you place yourself in? Or are you the same? Like your friend, you wouldn't like to be placed in a specific genre or category? Yeah, I would create an umbrella. I'd say I'm acoustic, singer, songwriter. Most of the stuff that you'll hear me, if you went on my Spotify or Apple Music, you'd see like the tendency is like acoustic stuff. So I would say acoustic singer-songwriter. Indie is such a broad term because like we're all independent artists because I was I'm just indie. I'm like, well, yeah, I am indie. So indie acoustic singer-songwriter, but also like a degree of I wouldn't like confine myself in one category. I mean, like some people, it was funny. I think everyone should try this. Like look up on Google like your name because I'm just so interested. How much does the government know about me? And the, you know what I mean? <laughs> And it just says singer. And then like when it, my name pops up and then it just says pop, I'm like, all right, I'm not pop, but I'll mm-hmm. go with it, <laughs> you know? That's the general thing they try to place you under sometimes when they don't quite know. And it usually happens to a lot of people. They're like, I don't know where to put them. So I'm just going to put them here just to keep the generic genres. Because I think that there are other genres out there that maybe don't have a specific name yet, or no one has declared a name for it yet. But I do believe that there are more genres than just the ones that we hear all the time. And like I said, some artists, like you said, you're with your friend. Some people don't like to be categorized. They like to just make music and keep it going because sometimes their music can go different ways. Sometimes it's not just going to be the same type of category or genre all the time. So I can understand that. Have you participated in any music competitions? Music competitions, yeah. When I was, uh, I think, a little after high school, I guess it was like my freshman or sophomore year of college, there's this awesome organization I should give them a shout out and also give George a shout out. This organization I'm referring to is called Bitter Jester Music Festival. And the thing that they do is they hold competitions like Battle of the Band sort of things, but they reach across like the whole nation as much as they could. But it's sort of centralized here in the Midwestern area. So it kind of like showcases a lot of these artists from the Midwest and a little beyond the Midwest. And that first competition I ever did, I think we were on like the preface of lockdown, but before any of that ha- occurred to us. I went to an open mic and uh, there was a band there that they recommended I should apply. So it was remote. It was a songwriting competition, original songwriting competition in 2020. And I submitted my song and I, I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. I became a finalist. And I was like, what? That's so cool. And then the next sequential years, I've just been with Bitter Jester until I've kind of aged out because I'm 22 now because they kind of have like an age limit, but I'm really happy to like know them and still have them in my network. Yeah, they just, they have so many opportunities for young artists that have the potential to be great. When I worked with them and they gave me the opportunity to like, hey, your song was awesome. Let's do this Battle of the Bands thing. And also there's a great educational aspect about it. It's not just let's do a competition. It's let's do a competition. And we have judges that are like in the field doing the thing that you do. And they're going to give you amazing feedback. And that's really helped a lot. Not me, but just a bunch of like other musicians in the Midwestern area. That's one competition I was involved in. That might be the most significant too. So tell me about a performance that pushed you out of your comfort zone. It's a performance, but not in the way that you might think. 
because I had never really done studio recording before. I guess we could say professional. It was totally professional, yeah. Most of the recording I had done was here at home. My second album, that 10 song LP, it was all here, it was overdubs, and it was two years of just, ah. But when it was out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's finally out. So that kind of escalated or elevated my platform. But then there is this company, they're based in Waltham, Massachusetts, like Boston, and they're called Plaid Dog Recording. And they said they were listening to my stuff and they, they were encouraging me to like, hey, apply for our artist series thing. We want to fly you Boston and we're going to record a four song EP. And that's when I was like, what? Oh, wow. And what really pushed me out of my comfort zone was that entire experience. It's like, okay, I'm going to fly to Boston. I'm going to eat a lot of clam chowder. Oh, I really like clam chowder. But <laughs> also like in the studio, it's like, okay, we're making a four song EP. So I have to bring my A game. And when you're in that studio environment, it's a lot different than when you're in a performance environment because it's all about we're going to get the take that we want mm -hmm. so I would play it and then I would play it again and then I'd play it again and I'd play mm -hmm. it again and I'd sing it again sing it and I'm like oh I'm so tired but after the first couple kind of felt like I was at first initially like an animal at the zoo and people were just like <laughs> like to the window <laughs> but I was working with my producer Carter Sanders he's awesome and he made the record so good and it became a really comfortable environment for me but always still on my toes like I have to bring the best performance I can because I, I want to make these songs good and working with the session player too Daniel I think that's when it was the most out of my comfort zone it got a little comfortable after that I know that it seems strenuous when you're having to repeat things or the repetition of doing things over and over again. But the beauty that a lot of people that don't know or people that aren't artists, they don't realize that that repetition, it seems stressful, but it's a good stress in a way. And continuing to do that over and over again does have a good impact or a positive impact to it at the very end, because the journey may seem very like I said, strenuous, but as you continue to do that over and over again, or, or the repetition of that, you're getting better without you even realizing that you're getting better at things because you're constantly training yourself. And so a lot of people don't really realize that side of, oh my gosh, why am I doing this over again, over and over again? Or why is this person continuing to, to record the same thing over and over again? But there's meaning behind it. It could be for practice. It could be this is missing something, let me do it again. So I 100% understand that. What are skills that you believe are most useful in the music industry? I think skills that are most useful in the industry. I don't know why this came to mind first, but maybe it's not even a skill. It's, it's more of just like a disposition if I'm working around the, the question, but being kind and as easy to work with as possible. That's how you get your foot in the door to, mm -hmm. to basically every place. Because if you can give off that vibe that you're kind and easy to work with, people will be more accommodating when you need help. And I think that's just something I've kind of tried to keep in mind. It's just like, I'm not here to use you and you're not here to use me. We're here to work together, like a very collaborative environment. That's when we can kind of like, I think now it becomes more of a skill. I'm kind of glad my life is panning out this way so far because I'm an audio engineer. I record and I'm on my last semester and I'm, I'm glad I took this route because that's been like one of the most vital aspects to like how I could, like I could write the song, but now I got to like push it out there into the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think the recording process is just as much of a songwriting process in and of itself. 
because you know you're like tracking and you're you're seeing the waveforms and it's like I, I need to make this song great it's like a song is already good but how can i make it the best it could possibly be with the tools that i have i think it's a common thing in the industry like everyone has a DAW, like a digital audio workstation that they're comfortable with i'll help all my friends record i i think that knowledge of audio as much as i'm still learning is a really useful aspect for songwriting for just making music in general i think that's one skill if i could take a detour i think anyone is capable of making songs like i'm really glad to be doing this interview and it's so cool that you guys are like reaching out to these people that have exposed themselves and it can be vulnerable you know what i mean like music is such a vulnerable thing and i learned in one of my classes like music isn't a biological necessity but why do we all have it in our lives I think to that degree, if everyone listens to music, I think everyone has a little part of them that wants to make music some way, whether really relating to the lyrics of a song and writing stuff in your journal or like loving how dissonant this chord progression is because it, it's kind of like parallel to what you feel. I think anyone is capable of writing music. I'm just glad that I can do it the way that I have. Yeah. And with some people, it comes so freely. It comes so easy. And with other people, they kind of have to work a little bit harder. But I agree with you. Everyone can, you know, have that same end goal. It's just the journey that may be a little different. Are there any tools or software or instruments that are crucial to your creative process? Yeah. So a lot of the times people will talk about music theory. There is an importance in it, but I wouldn't get super hung up over it. Music theory is the language that we use to like, oh, you're in the key of G. All right, let me go to the fifth to make sure that we're playing you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D. Oh, okay. I'm going to play the D. I'm going to play a chord, you know, just like things like that, that help with like conversing with other musicians and maybe like, oh, we want to work on a song together or like for my own sake, I know that this is the chord progression that I'm working with. Over time, that will, that will be a, a useful tool. A little like, I'll be honest, like when I took music theory class in like community college, I was just like, this shit's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Why is, it, why is it like math? Like, music's not supposed to be like math. I started to get like really frustrated. You just kind of retain the things that will be most useful to you. Every music genre will dip their toes into it and some will literally dive into this pool of music theory. But for the stuff that I'm doing, for the stuff that like a lot of other people do, knowledge of your chord progressions and like rhythm. I'm a drummer. I started doing percussion in fifth grade and that has been a really useful thing. You know, just like the internalizing rhythm. And I think that covers tools that you can learn over time. But software, that's like another can of worms. That's like a question when you ask anyone in the audio engineering department anywhere, they're gonna say, oh, I prefer this digital audio workstation, but this one is for different things. Personally, Logic Pro has been my baby. It's awesome. Pro Tools is 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 hard to navigate at first. I started with GarageBand because every Mac has GarageBand. And then I, I upgraded to Pro Tools, which was so much more like budget friendly than Pro Tools. Well, I upgraded to Logic, sorry. I upgraded to Logic Pro mm -hmm. and Logic Pro will always be more budget friendly to me as a broke ass college kid than like <laughs> than Pro Tools. Because Pro Tools is like the subscription based license visual that's like, okay, we're gonna make you 200, 300. Oh, by the way, we're discontinuing our student discount perpetual license. Okay, so now I don't have the, the tools in Pro Tools. I didn't I'm, even I'm know not, they did that. They did. And I was just like, well, maybe I'm misinformed and I'm, I i haven't found like the best license, but my license expired. So I have the bare minimum Digital built in stock in plugins. And I'm just like, I can't do the most with these. like. It's basic yeah. that that'll get me by when I have to do like school projects and stuff like that. But when it comes to music making, which like mm -hmm. I think everyone is end goals, like, I want to make some freaking music. 
<laughs> Logic Pro is so much better for composition. Literally $200 and that's it. And you get all of these things, all of these things that can help in the creative process, you know. That's a big difference. I did not know that they canceled the discount for students. I didn't know that. You should learn something new, huh? Yeah. Have you ever had a setback in your career? School, the past couple years, there's been like this double-edged sword mentality. It's like, I'm in school and I'm learning so much, but I don't have enough time for my music. But it is teaching me eventually the tools that I will need to make the music. So there was that. But there was this weird period of time where right when the EP came out, it was gaining some traction. I was really happy about that. And I'm kind of on this perpetual mission to like, because people donated to that EP campaign. It wasn't just like, all right, we're going to pay all of it out of pocket. Mm -hmm. I think another thing out of my comfort zone was it was like a crowdfunding sort of model. Uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful that everyone who felt inclined to donate did. So now it's my job, kind of like my my moral obligation to like give back to these people because it's like when they signed up to even donate, it's like, okay, uh, I want a wristband. I want a sticker. I want a CD. I want a poster. I want a shirt. I'm like, got it. <laughs> and that has to come out of my own pocket. Ugh. So I'm working at the restaurant. I'm trying to like just save my tips so I could get these things and then like burn the CDs, burn, burn the music to the CDs for people. And I'm still kind of trying to reach everyone mm -hmm. juggling school and, and work. But eventually there was a period of time where it's like, okay, when I came out with this EP, I thought it was going to be huge because I was like optimistic and naive. A lot of people have told me how much they liked it, but I haven't seen it like skyrocket me to like stardom in the way that I thought. But then at the end of the day, I was like, well, I mean, like, it's not like I'm looking to be famous, but maybe to reach more like a nationwide sort mm -hmm. of reach, because I'm really proud of my latest this EP and I'm, I'm really proud of anything from the start of my second album I wouldn't recommend listening to my first album but like <laughs> that was when I was figuring everything out and I'm always figuring everything out but that period of time for that setback question was a little after maybe like three or four months after the EP had already been published and released I was just like well I mean it's nice and it's gaining some of this notoriety that the second album did and it's it's an EP you know, so it's not like EPs are awesome, but I really want to work on a third album. But I think an EP is good nonetheless. My setback that I felt was, am I not promoting it enough? Because promoting is really hard and I don't want to clog people's feeds with, hey, did you listen to this? Hey, did you listen to this? And then I was just like, I don't know how else. And people are telling me, you need to promote more. But me, I'm just like, oh, I don't know how, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's another, that was one of my follow-up questions. Do you think that streaming, meaning like Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, do you think that streaming hurts albums? For example, like CD purchases, record purchases, and things like that. Do you think that that has an impact on the views that you receive? Because I know they still count the views that you get from Apple Music and things like that in, in the streams. But do you think that that has an impact versus when people buy CDs and purchases like that? Yeah, I think there's, there's, I've been learning some stuff from my publishing class. And I think the, the information that I retain the most that a lot of like artists are not satisfied with what royalty streaming has been. Because even when you generate, like, you hear a song, uh, like when, when someone just presses play on Spotify to listen to your music. It generates a mechanical royalty. It generates like two royalties. I know that, like the moment someone clicks it, but you still make fractions of a penny. At the end of the day, it's like streaming is always valuable, but when you're in such a place where music is, music is ubiquitous, right? And you're competing with all of these people and, oh, I want people to give me the most streams. You can really fall into a pit of numbers, like a numbers game. 
even then you're making fractions of a penny. A lot of people will have cemented in their minds, like, I have to write a hit song so it can have like a huge amount of streams. When really, I think I'm starting to learn about other ways that I can make a living off of music. Um, like the sync world is like a really cool place trying to get your songs into like a commercial or a TV show or even a movie. In those degrees, it's kind of harder, but I think that could be a more like reliable way for income. I, I saw this quote somewhere where like unrecognized talent is like a cliche because like there's so many talented people, literally like I'm, I'm walking in Chicago, 8 million people are probably like musicians, uh, whether they write their own music, but it's like, and I'm in that bunch, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I want to promote my music and I'm looking at my monthly listeners. I'm like, ah, it's all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you believe in writer's block? Do you writer's believe it's a real thing? Yeah, it's totally a real thing. That's another setback I should have mentioned. And I guess, let me wrap up the, the streaming thing really quick. I don't want to come off as pessimistic, like don't make music because no one's going to recognize you. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think maybe a better way to put it as it's definitely a challenge, but if you love making music, that will always come out on top. You know, I've always wanted to just put songs out. A really optimistic way to look at it is it's called the 100 rule. If there's literally one person that likes your music, there's got to be a hundred people more out there that like your music that are kind of like the person that likes your music the other hundred people they're gonna they're gonna come when they come you know mm -hmm. uh and that's who you're making the music for i make the music for myself i make the music for the people that like it you know <laughs> now on to that other part of the question about setbacks writer's block it's a totally real thing because that's what I experienced after I put out the EP. I'm just like, dang, I'm back from Boston. I have no idea what to write about anymore. It's also because like when you're kind of trying to finish this part of your life, like I'm trying to finish college. There's only so many like experiences I've had as a 22 year old kid. I still feel like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I get writer's block. Cause I feel like I haven't really experienced life as much as I could yet, given like so many different circumstances. A good way to deal with writer's block, I heard, is just to live your life. You know, it's just like, I'm going to like step away from this place that I've dedicated or allocated to like write music and I'm just going to live my life. And then when things happen to you and you feel inclined to write about it, you don't have to whip out a guitar and be like, okay, I'm going to like figure out the chord progression and everything. You just write little things here and there. And over time, I think this is a really useful tool. Build like a huge lyric document. It, it, it can go back years and years. And then you're just scrolling one day and it's like, I wrote that? I wonder what I was thinking about. Maybe I could use it for this thing I'm working on now. So now let's talk about your music. What's the latest thing that you put out? Latest thing I put out, it was the four song EP that I recorded in Boston. And tell me about that. We covered that it was a crowdfunding campaign that people in my network have donated to, we, that it was sort of like uh, a push out of my comfort zone. I had cannolis there. Uh, <laughs> I was there, uh, I'll kind of give you like a, as concise as possible what that journey was like. I talked to the studio manager. They were really cool. They hooked me up with the producer I was going to be working with and then also the campaign manager. I fly to Boston the first time to record one single because that single, which was the song Rihanna, was going to be kind of like the poster child for a lack of a better word to like, hey guys, this is a part of the EP. This is a single from the EP. If we can raise this amount of money and then we, we raised over $9,000 to finished the EP, so I flew back to Boston, I guess this most recent January, recorded the remaining three songs, and then by the end of it, a few more months have passed to finish mixes and mastering it, and then I had the EP. It was a challenging yet rewarding experience. Those songs have kind of sat there for a while. I want to put it in the third album. I have another document called like Music Agenda, where it's just like, all right, I feel like a song could fit here. 
I'm going to put it there. I think in my bio, I kind of talk about the EP, like each song, like mm -hmm. its theme or like what it's trying to really accomplish as a piece of musical content, a piece of art. Not as chronological as my second album, but it's kind of like the way I describe my EP is like, it's just kind of like a, an oddly personal insight into my beginning years of adulthood as a 20 something year old. I think that's the best way I can describe it because it's just four songs. A lot of the times people will be like, I'm in this box where like, I feel like I'm okay at writing love songs because you know, that's just the feelings I feel. And now I'm in a happy, like committed relationship. I've started to think more about what are the feelings that come with that too. But when I wasn't in a happy committed relationship, I was just like, this, these are the feelings I'm feeling. Uh, feelings of like infatuation or exploration and self-image. That's like the first song, Wabash Avenue. The second song, everyone always asks like, who's Liana? You know? <laughs> and then I was just like, I actually wrote that song in Panera. And that's what I will always like preface the, this conversation with. I wrote it in Panera because I didn't want to do my coding homework. Why the hell am I learning Python? You know? <laughs> That whole song came out of just my friend. She just uh, sent me a video on Snapchat. Like, I love the harmonies in this song on your first album. And I'm like, really happy because I'm like, my first album, people really don't listen to that anymore. But I'm really glad you like it. And then mm -hmm. I just started saying the word Liana, like the name. And I was just like, it has such a musical musicality to it. But mm -hmm. I really like Liana. I was like, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> and then that came to be... The third song, Taking a Toll, it's a more chill song, but that was just more of like my feelings about how like we're out of like the pandemic now. It's still a thing, but we're still like trying to learn how to like retaliate from it because like you're in isolation for so long. So what is it like to like be with people after isolation? That's kind of what I feel like the song is about. The meaning to me is now like wanting to like learn more about someone despite all these obstacles. And you wonder to yourself, is it even in my control at this point? And then the fourth song, which is I think it's the boppiest one on the I'm glad we ended the EP like that. I was talking to my producer. Uh, I was like, Carter, I think we should end it with Qualia. I, like, I agree. It's a, it's freaking bop. I'm like, yes. It's called Qualia. And that's lyrically one of the things I'm most proud of when it comes to writing. Lyrically, because um, I, I'm also like learning philosophy. And philosophy is my uh, my minor. That's originally what I wanted to do when I was in community college, but I didn't really pan out. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to major in audio arts at Columbia, but minor in philosophy. I think learning philosophy has been like an extremely useful tool because it just gets you into a different mindset of thinking behind the meaning of qualia. It's a philosophy term to describe the uh, subjective component of your thoughts and perceptions and people are like mm -hmm. whoa nerd and i'm like yes <laughs> but i'll give you an example like my wall that's red right mm -hmm. and we can like agree that it's the color red but there's this problem in philosophy called the problem of other minds it's like do we really see the same red even though we say we definitionally that this is red but mm -hmm. it's so hard to describe what red is like you go to the webster dictionary red like a fire truck i'm like oh that doesn't help <laughs> you know and i got so into it the idea of how come i can't quite communicate exactly intrinsically what i'm feeling there's always going to be that gap and that's what qualia is it's it's all subjective in the end when i'm receiving that information who knows if the universe exists outside my brain and that's like a whole other thing but i took a step back i'm like all right i'm falling into a rabbit hole another way i've been feeling is what about falling in love there's so many songs about falling in love and about how people have uh, experienced it but i felt as if i wrote this line at the end of the night no one will know what it's like for me to 
fall in love with you because it's like these feelings are relatable to everyone in humanity falling in love is such a ubiquitous thing i think the first line actually wraps it up quite nicely what starts the song it says trying to explain why i fell for you is like telling someone you had to be there so it's just you just like say hey how's how's your relationship going it's like or how'd you guys meet that's like a big question that you're at dinner parties and like oh i don't know (laughs) but like in my mind, all I want to say is you just had to be there. You just had to be me experiencing it because it's that feeling that everyone can relate to. But it's at the end of the day, it's like such a personal thing that words can't even describe it. I thought that was kind of like beautiful. That is beautiful. I think so. Like You can explain all day. You can show videos, but you just had to be there, honestly, to feel the way that I was feeling. I can describe as close as I can, but to actually be there and to experience it, that's something that you can only experience if you were there. <laughs> so that speaks for itself. How do you feel about social media? How social is your media. fan base on social media? My fan base they're really supportive and uh, it's not like I have like a bunch of followers but I think all the people that I follow I follow for a reason and all the people that follow me follow Mm -hmm. me for a reason how I feel about social media is I actually haven't been on Instagram in a while like I haven't made a post in a while I'll put something on social media and people will be like oh he's doing a new thing but if if there's like nothing like urgent I have to tell people then I I really won't do much social media and maybe that's like the one weakness I have when I put out the EP I was promoting I was promoting it as much as I could these gigs I have coming up, I'm going to promote it. Social media, I feel that it's a useful tool, but it's also like similar to the streaming conversation that we had a few minutes ago. It's like, it's tough because you get wrapped up. What does my fan base want? You know what I mean? I want to like be authentic as possible, but also like in a weird sense of the word, I kind of have to conform to an algorithm to reach more people. And I don't know how to do that. I don't know how comfortable I am making content. I just, I, I never really felt like I was the type of person to be like, hey guys, check this out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or hey guys, check this mm-hmm. out. I totally could be, but with my life as it is right now, I, I just don't really have the time. And I really respect people that do. They make the time because like, like they, they make it a part of their routine. To like One of my uh, really good friends, Linda, her artist name is Linda Therese. She's putting out like Instagram shorts like every day. And she is such a prolific songwriter. And if she's hearing this, it's like, that's really inspiring to me. So social media in that way could be a, a tool, a means for people to... To like see what you're doing get an insight into your life like what you're generating what you're constantly generating new music in the works i think it's really helpful in that aspect and now that i finished saying it i i think i ought to like at least tap into that a little more i wouldn't say i'm as prolific as other people i know but when something comes like a project that i'm working on right now i really dive deep into that one because i know that i can finish it from start to end so what's new for you? Do you have any projects coming up, anything you're working on that you can release without releasing too much, but just enough, like a cliffhanger? Yeah, I'm assembling songs for a third album, and that's like way in the future. But right now, a single that I would like to release, it's actually Killing Two Birds With One Stone, because one of my classes, it's called Advanced Practicum in Music Design. And literally, our final project in a 15-week semester is make a song, like from start to finish. And it has all these credentials, I mean, like all these like boxes, like just for the of it being a class it's like all right it has to have at least two live recorded instruments some amount of midi what else it's got to be do a click blah 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 and i'm just like all right i can do that i can do that i wrote this song anyway like maybe a month ago but now i'm like super excited to like all right i know who i want to collaborate with we made like a demo and i'm gonna hit the ground running tracking guitar and drums and, and vocals 
that project right now is kind of what's taking the forefront of my mind in terms of an agenda. It's actually kind of interesting how that song came to be without revealing too much of it. That's one of the first songs I wrote. There's a handful of songs where I'm like, hey, I got out of my writer's block. But this one in particular is like, this is different. Sometimes I look at myself and I wonder if I am a cliche. You know, I watched the Barbie movie and like that scene where like all the Kens are like playing guitar. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if that's me. But this song that I'm working on right now, lyrically, and maybe even compositionally, is communicating something different, something more existential, I think, that I would really like to show the world. So I'm excited to work on it. Awesome. Last question. What is one message that you would give or a piece of advice that you would give to someone that is interested in joining the entertainment industry? My one piece of advice would be there is a huge difference between art and entertainment. And I learned that in community college. Entertainment, people always want to profit and you kind of just have to like accept that, mm -hmm. but always make the distinction. At the end of the day, you're making art. Some people are just like, I know I'm doing entertainment stuff, but the distinction to be made between art and entertainment is you can make art and it's always this malleable breathing thing that you don't care if anyone else is looking, you're just happy to be making it. And you should always hold that close to you. When it comes to entertainment, you still have that art mentality. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care if anyone else is looking, but then you have to let a little bit of, I do care that people are looking. What do the people want? But not so much to like completely change your workflow, completely like make you not authentically you. Because what people want is you. People just want someone they can relate to that isn't themselves, <laughs> I think, you know what I mean? And when you can kind of like convey that I am a person and I'm trying to be authentic and I hope you like me, I think that's already like a good foot out the door. It's less about, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm just trying to put music out there in the world that I like, and then hopefully other people will like. So my one piece of advice is don't give up. You're going to get discouraged a lot, but every failure that you kind of come across is going to matter because it's going to teach you. When you get better at whatever you do in the entertainment industry, you're going to remember that. And when you're working with like a diverse group of people that have all different kinds of experiences, that's going to help you too. Because um, it will definitely expand your your mindset, it'll open up your mindset, especially when you're around someone that's different from you, or they may be more prompt and motivated. And that's going to encourage you to be more motivated too, because when you surround yourself around positivity, you have no choice but to be positive. There is no way that you can continue to be negative in a positive area. I mean, you can try, but it's kind of slim to none because you're surrounded by so much greatness. You have no choice but to be great too. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where can the listeners follow you? My Instagram handle is just my name, Ian underscore Jake underscore Rebleza. Uh, my Facebook, if anyone uses Facebook anymore. but <laughs> I do. Just, I still use Facebook. <laughs> I, I still do, too. Yeah. Yeah, my AOL uh, handle is, uh, no, um, my Facebook is uh, <laughs> Ian Jake Rebleza. Those are the main two platforms I use for social media. All my music is on most streaming platforms. I know Spotify and Apple Music are the big ones, but it's bound, you know, on YouTube as well. In France, I think it's like Deezer, but that's just a weird tangent. But yeah, I'm on most, if not all streaming platforms, the, the music that I've put out. Well, Ian, I want to thank you for taking the time to interview with WJMS. I have really enjoyed speaking with you today and I wish you the best on your endeavors. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. Of course. For those of you listening, don't go anywhere. Here's a few tracks from Ian. Her name is wonderful 
rolls right off your tongue three syllables. It's Liana. Liana. To bind a wrap around, I found the meaning. Surrounded by the sweetest sound, I found myself repeating Liana. About you, and I'll say it was a different one, Liana. Liana, I state my case, be what it may, I might be misleading. I close the door and walk away, my beating heart revealing.
Laughs, you figure out that they won't really understand. Cause I reckon it's too intricate for me to simplify now. It's too elaborate for me to describe. At the end of the night, no one will know what it's like for me to fall in love with you. You know I'm gonna have to be your best friend first I'm not really looking for a love that's fleeting I wanna be right here to love you sweetly now It could be a Jim and Pam sort of thing When I meet you in the middle to get down on one knee In the middle of a rainstorm at the center of a gas station You set me free 
free I just wanna hold you Making known to you that You're my one and only Cause I reckon it's too intricate for me to simplify Now it's too elaborate for me to describe You had to be there to fathom the eyes of her Up, her up, her It's too intricate for me to simplify Now it's too elaborate for me to describe end of the night no one will know what it's like at the start of the day i'll hear your wonderful voice at the end of it all i'll be singing the song because i'm so in love with you Thanks for listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can check us out on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also check out our website at www.wjmsradio.com. And we also have a newsletter, so you can subscribe and be up to date on everything.